Thank you for listening to the Akuo Church Podcast. We exist so that people will be in community with Jesus and one another. We'll do that by listening to God, loving people, learning our purpose, and linking to our community. From wherever you are listening, welcome to the community. We hope you enjoy the message. Great to be hanging out with y'all again, Akuo. I just want you to know that if you've hung out with us at all this year, you know, you know what it is, right? We are living out the word that God gave to us this year, which is ready. So we're doing that. We are doing our best to be ready for what God is showing us to walk through. And all of that has led us to the current sermon series that we are in called Healer. Now, in this series, we are taking a look at the miraculous healings that Jesus performed as recorded by his friend and disciple Matthew. Now, while we've been studying these accounts, we've also been able to take a look at how Jesus healed us in our lives and is still working on us to this day and how special it is for us to go and share that with all the people around us. Now, this week we have a special guest joining us, which is Pastor Zach Cronley. Now, Zach has been someone that that I've known for a little bit for the last few years, and he actually uh, preached here, gave a message for us uh, not too long ago. I actually used to listen to a podcast that he hosted years ago. Now, in addition to that, Zach, his wife Leslie, and their two daughters have joined the community here at Kuo. So if you've been around in person on Sundays, you've probably run into them at at some point. Now, all of that to say, this past week, we officially added Zach to the Okuo staff as our community pastor. So Zach will be preaching a little bit more regularly. He'll also be taking on responsibilities with our community groups, our linking opportunities with our community uh, outside of our church, and we'll also be helping out with the hospitality A-team here at Okuo. So first, if you're watching with this live online, please give Zach a warm official welcome. And as you do that, let me hand it over Good morning, Akuo. I'm so excited to be here today. We are in the middle of our series titled Healer, where we're continuing our journey through the Gospel of Matthew. And Matthew records that Jesus, after he finishes the Sermon on the Mount, that he came down from the mountain and began a series of healings. And today we're talking about Jesus and not just his power to heal our bodies, but his power and authority over everything else. These are stories meant to teach us who Jesus is and what he's capable of, and how often we can miss or forget this fact. Really, it reminds me of a story my grandfather used to tell. A man is deep in prayer when Jesus himself appears in front of him and says to him, My son, you have found favor in my sight, and so ask for anything your heart desires and I will give it to you. The man, he's humbled and overjoyed. He thinks for a brief moment before saying, Jesus, my Lord, I know that it's silly, but I know my heart's, my wife's heart's desire has always been to visit Hawaii. But the truth is, and, and you know this, that I'm terrified of flying and even more afraid of sailing. Jesus, again, it's silly, but do you think you could please build me a highway so that I could drive us to Hawaii? And Jesus answers, of course I can, but I do want you to think about this for a moment. I could absolutely do this, but understand that this would be about 2,500 miles of road. To make it drivable, you'd have to have all these gas stations along the way, which means you would need people to work at them, and these people would need places to live nearby, so then that means that we'd need grocers and police and teachers, and we would all need to build this whole new towns all along the way. 
and we're talking about relocating thousands of people across all these towns, which means their lives are just forever changed because they've moved out there. So it's not that I'm saying that I can't do it, but are you sure you want to go through all that effort on behalf of so many people? Are you sure that there isn't anything else that you want? And the man thinks again for a moment before responding, you're right, Jesus, of course. There is something else. You know, my wife and I, we, we have a good marriage, but often I realize that we're just so different and that I really don't understand her. And so Jesus, do you think you could make it that I could really understand my wife? And Jesus answered, so do you want that highway one lane or two? Like I said, my grandfather loved that joke. But isn't it true that for some of us, it's easier for us to believe God can do some things than it is for him to do others? There are things that we've either given up praying for or don't even have the faith to begin to ask. This isn't a new thing. The disciples in Jesus' day struggled the same way we do. And that brings us to our text for today. We're looking at Matthew 8, when in the middle of all these miraculous healings, Jesus takes his followers on a detour. Look at verse 23. Then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. He replied, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and waves obey him. So you're stuck in a great storm, and the first question you need to ask yourself is, how did you get here? Jesus had just done a series of healings all throughout Galilee. He was casting out demons, healing leprosy, healing people of all kinds. And many people saw Jesus's power and thought that they wanted to follow Jesus, but then realized the cost was too great. They learned that following Jesus was going to cost them something, that they weren't going to be in control of their lives any longer. And so many fell away. But some, his disciples, followed him. And now here they are on a boat, and the waves are crashing in all around them, and they're terrified. And in desperation, they cry out to Jesus, and he calms the storm. Here's the first thing I want you to notice. Who got into the boat first? Jesus. They were just following Jesus. They had already done the scary thing and followed him. When the storms of life come, we tend to think it's because of something we've done wrong. And while certainly we might at times face the consequences of our own actions, sometimes God uses the desperate positions we find ourselves in to reveal to us or remind us what we really need to trust in, namely himself and his goodness. The disciples cried out to Jesus really more as a last resort, seemingly, rather than because they knew he had the power to really do anything. It says the disciples were amazed. They asked, what kind of man is this? They had witnessed Jesus had the authority to heal the sick. He could cast out demons, but they still hadn't quite figured out yet who he was. I think a lot of our lack of faith comes from a lack of awareness on the nature and character of Jesus. The disciples knew he was good, but feared he did not have the power to save them. And, and let's not be too hard on them. We know how the story ends. Here's what we know that they didn't. That Jesus Christ lived the perfect life we could never live. 
He died the death that we deserve. And if we put our faith in him, we will live forever with him. All the faith they needed was just to take the step onto the boat. It was just to follow Jesus. Sometimes it's easier to trust Jesus for our salvation than it is to trust him for our situation. And I get it, I'm I'm the same, but really it's so backward because compared to our salvation, everything else is easy. Do we trust him enough with our relationships, with our finances? Think back to the man Jesus met right before this. We talked about him last week. He thought he was ready to follow Jesus until he realized that it meant leaving his job and putting his financial future at risk, or that he would have to let go of some of the comforts that he was used to always having. Because following Jesus can mean doing some scary things. What I want you to understand is this. There are some things in life that are scary, but not dangerous. And then there are things in life that are, aren't scary, but are truly dangerous. I used to be a really active rock climber. And let me tell you that anytime I was up on a high wall where I would have a belay, which is to say that I'm secured to the wall with a rope, it's always scary to let go. But there's nothing dangerous about it. The ropes that they use are strong enough that they could hold the weight of an SUV. But, but still, every time I would be afraid, even with no danger. Listen, getting in the boat with Jesus is always scary. There's usually a storm involved, but it isn't dangerous because you're following Jesus. Again, right before this story, there were many people that thought they wanted to follow Jesus. But at the end of the day, something kept them from getting on the boat with him. What's dangerous is being too afraid to follow Jesus and letting the story go on without you. It's not scary to stay comfortable. It's not scary to stay and be silent, try to silence your conscience. You might get a sickly feeling in your stomach when you try to think about what's happening at your workplace, but the thought of saying something is just too terrifying. Do we have the faith to leave a toxic relationship or to make a decision that actually places our financial future at risk? And listen, these are big things. I'm not saying do them for no reason. I'm saying, ask God, what do I need to do to follow you, Jesus? It all starts with one small step of faith. Remember what Humby said about the faith of the centurion? How, while his faith was remarkable, the healing was not reliant on the strength of his faith, but rather on the object of his faith, Jesus. The disciples' faith here is also remarkable, remarkably little. But that doesn't stop Jesus from saving them. Let me say that again. It's the object of our faith and not the strength of our faith that saves us. Elsewhere, Jesus describes it this way. Matthew 17, 20 says, Truly, I tell you, if you have the faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. A very small amount of faith in something true holds power. Listen, I can have all the faith in the world in something. But if it's not true, then my faith means nothing. But if I have even just the weakest of faith in something true, then it makes all the difference. Jesus wasn't prepared to let them all drown at sea because they weren't faithful enough. Sorry, God the Father. Uh, We tried to set about the restoration of all things and the salvation of the universe, but these fishermen were just too scared. 
Listen, you can be afraid on the journey. I know I am. I wake up sometimes terrified about the future, about whether some of the decisions that I've made are truly worth it for my family, whether these waves will eventually crush me. But I'm not quitting. And not because I'm some kind of titan of the faith, please. But because when I cry out to him, Jesus has showed up every time. You just need to, the faith to take the first step. And so Jesus used this moment to teach them a little bit more about him. And now let's look at what happens when they're out of the storm and get to the other side of the lake. Look at verse 28. When he, and this is Jesus, arrived at the other side of the region of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him. Let's talk about where they end up the region of the Gadarenes. This is all significant because this is all Roman territory. If you look at the entirety of Jesus's ministry, he rarely ever crossed to the other side of the Jordan because it's kind of like crossing into enemy territory. One of the cities Jesus did spend some time in was Bethany. And almost every time the gospel writers shout out Bethany, they call it Bethany beyond the Jordan because it's significant. It's significant that it's on the other side. It communicates something specific. And this region, the Gadarenes, or sometimes called the Gerasenes, is significant because this region is why you really don't want to be on this side of the Jordan. You see, this area is on the outskirts of the Decapolis, which was a major Roman trade route of 10 cities. Decapolis, Deca equals 10, Polis equals cities. And here's what we know about the Decapolis in Jesus's day. This was where a Roman legion was stationed. A legion was the largest military unit of the Roman army. And while in Jerusalem and in other Jewish cities, you would find a centurion or two with a hundred soldiers apiece that were mostly interested in peacekeeping, each Roman legion held about 6,000 soldiers and were the elite invasion and retaliation force of Rome. Entering into this region would have felt a little bit like driving into a neighborhood today and noticing that all the police cars are Dodge Chargers. You're suddenly like, slow down, hands at 10 at 2, on the wheel, and for some reason you turn down the music. You're praying for Jesus to save you like the disciples in the storm. So typically, Jews of this day would do anything that they could to avoid this area. And here Jesus is, on the outskirts of the region, and we're told, Two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him. Look at verse 28. It says that they were so violent that no one could pass that way. What do you want with us, son of God? They shouted. Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? Some distance from them, a large herd of pigs was feeding. The demons begged Jesus, if you drive us out, send us into the herd of pigs. He said to them, go. So they came out and went into the pigs and the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and died in the water. Okay, there's a lot going on here, but bear with me. Demons are a thing that we tend to talk around rather than talk about. And I know that the moment I mention demons, some of you will lean forward in your seats and some of you, your eyes will start to glaze over. I promise that I have a lot to say and I would love to teach you about demons, but I think that I'll have to wait for today. So for now, let me just make sure you know this truth. 
that there are very real opposing spiritual forces at work against us. What this story reveals is that Jesus has the power and authority to rebuke the spiritual forces of the world. We tend to think very materialistically. We tend to think people and natural disasters are the only real problems that are against us. But the Apostle Paul teaches in Ephesians 6.12, he writes, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So people aren't the problem, or more accurately, there's a problem behind the people. Jesus rolls up and these demons don't know what he's doing. They know something is happening, but they've missed the point. You should know that demons were really confused about what Jesus was doing during his whole earthly ministry. Ironically, just like the disciples earlier, they don't know what now we know in hindsight. The scriptures tells us so. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2.8 tells us, None of the rulers of this age understood it. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. The the Apostle Paul here is not talking about the human rulers, right? In our day-to-day lives, it can feel like people are our problem, but it's really bigger than that. Interestingly, the gospel writer Mark, when he records these events, specifies that one of the demons identifies himself as legion. Mark 5, 9, Jesus asks him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he answered, because we are many. So I want you to notice this. Here Jesus is at this Roman region where the biggest thing the Israelites feared was Rome's legion. And here a demonic force exists that calls itself legion. But but Jesus, casting out demons, called legion. Through this, he's showing that he has authority over the spiritual forces that are over Rome. Again, for for some of us, you need to remember or you need to know that Jesus' authority extends to the forces of nature and also to the spiritual forces that are against us. And really interestingly, contrasting the disciples earlier, the demons know Jesus is powerful. They call him the son of God, but they don't see him as good. They think there's... that he's there just to torture them. And sometimes we fall into the same demonic mindset. We see God is ready to judge us and punish us. And I can admit that for far too often and far too long in my life, I, I was afraid of the same. I was afraid to turn to Jesus during the storms of my life because I was afraid that God was angry with me. Like I envisioned God was Zeus standing on the mountain over my shoulder with a lightning bolt ready to strike me the moment I messed up. But the point of the gospel, the point of this whole story, is that if you put your trust in Jesus, as Romans 8.1 tells us, that therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. And that includes self-condemnation. Listen, God is good and he is powerful and has authority. So he casts out the demons, and then look what happens. Those tending the pigs ran off, went out into the town and reported all of this, including what had happened to the demon-possessed men. Then the whole town went out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they pleaded with him to stay, to leave their region. And when they saw him, they pleaded with him to leave their region.
They see the aftermath of everything that had taken place, and they decide right away that they don't want anything to do with Jesus, which is understandable. It would have been a pretty shocking thing to come up and see. These people in this area were not Jewish. We know this both because of the region that we're in, the Decapolis was a Greek settlement now ruled by the Romans, and also because they were herding pigs. Pigs were unclean animals according to the Old Testament law. Raising pigs was completely detestable to the first century Jews. Most likely, these are all Greeks here. If they were Jewish at all, they were so completely on the outskirts of their culture and their faith to the point where they would be considered outsiders. So this foreign Messiah does not mean a lot to them. So Jesus gets ready to leave. But as he does so, Mark's gospel gives us an epilogue to this story. He records Jesus's interactions with one of the men and says in Mark chapter 5, verses 18 through 20, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. One of these men begs Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. But look at what Jesus says, go home. Sometimes the hardest place to go, the scariest place to go, is home. You have to face the consequences of the mistakes that you've made, or the fallout of the relationships that have been broken. It would be so much easier to just go somewhere else and start over. It's actually less scary for some of us to imagine to go somewhere where no one knows your story, where people don't know the mistakes that you've made. But home, here, this is where you have the most influence. This, this could be your greatest opportunity. Maybe your family is a bit like the people of the Gerasenes. They don't want anything to do with Jesus. Maybe something has happened in their past that means that they would never come to church. But they know you, and they might hear what you have to say. And listen, I know a lot of us have felt the pressure of feeling like our story isn't dramatic enough, like my story doesn't involve a mass suicide of pigs, but it doesn't have to be some powerful moment of conversion. Each of us do have a story of what God has done for us. It's the little things that build. Share how God has challenged you and how he is changing you. How God has healed you of your anger and helped you to forgive. How following Jesus has meant making some big change in your life and he showed up. As Humby has been saying this whole series, our greatest apologetic, which is to say our defense for what we believe, is our lives transformed. And people can argue with anything that you say. But no one can argue with how Jesus has changed you. When I was younger, answering the call to follow Jesus almost always meant agreeing to do some sort of overseas missions, or becoming a pastor, or working for a church. And, and some people are called to that. But the truth is that for most of us, for the vast majority of us, answering to the call to follow Jesus looks a lot more like this. Sometimes Jesus is going to tell us to go somewhere, to cross the sea, somewhere where we might not fully want to go. 
And sometimes Jesus is going to tell us to stay, to go home. What's important is that we listen. We're listening to him because whatever we do, he's going to be with us. This whole story, the whole gospel leads to this moment. Jesus, after his resurrection, leaves his disciples and us with this declaration. Matthew 28, starting in verse 18, says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The gospel changes everything. The same Jesus who has authority over our bodies and our health, who has authority over the winds and the waves, who has authority over powers and principalities, has authority over life and death, and this Lord has defeated sin in the grave. And he promises us that if we know him, if we put our trust in him, if we follow him abroad or at home, then we will be with him forever. The sea calms, the demons tremble, and we follow, one step at a time. Don't let the fact that you can't do everything yet stop you from starting. They didn't know where they were going yet. We keep talking in this series how God might only reveal to you the very first step towards where he's leading you. You just need the faith to take that first step. He's with you. Maybe you've never known this Jesus. Maybe you've never even taken the first step of following him. Just know that the invitation is open to you, and I promise you, you won't regret it. And there's no paper you have to sign or magic words you need to say, but maybe it could start for you with just a simple prayer. Maybe one just like this. And to help you out, during this time, I'm going to ask all of the Akuo community to pray along with you. Because here at Akuo, no one ever has to pray alone. You always have a community praying along with you. Let's pray. Lord, I want to know you. I want to follow you. I want to give you my life. Jesus, I believe in your power and your goodness. Help me to take a step of faith after you. In Jesus' name, amen. And now, the last thing that I want to do is to lead you into a moment of listening to God. This is just an opportunity to spend a moment where you can just sit with this and ask God what he wants to say to you, to help you focus on what you need Maybe for the next two minutes, you can just ask him. Maybe this question would help. Jesus, what scary thing are you asking me to do? Let's listen.
Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you are always with us, God. We don't know where you're leading us, Lord. We don't know all the steps that are ahead of us, God, but we just pray that you would reveal to us what this next step of faith looks like. God, help us to follow you. We're gonna stumble, we're gonna fall. At times, we're gonna be afraid. But God, we wanna follow you. We wanna honor you with our lives. Jesus, we thank you that you've never failed us. We thank you that no matter where we go, no matter what you're asking us, you're always going ahead of us, Lord. Lord, we thank you. We praise you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Will you join me in thanking Zach for delivering such a, a great and timely message for us? Just throw something in the chat to let him know that you appreciate the message and that you're excited for him to be a part of our team. Okay, now before we go, let me share a few things that we have going on here at Akuo. First, we will have our community groups kicking off in just two weeks. But before we get there, you gotta know what groups that we have meeting up. So if you scan the QR code on your screen right now, or you go to akuo.church community, you can see all the different groups that will be meeting up this semester. We really want you to be a part of these groups because this is where you can really cultivate a group of people around you to help you in your life when things get hard. And also a group of people that will cheer you on when things are good. And these people will be Christ-centered folks that will love you in the way that they, the best way they possibly can. And it's because of this that I always say, joining a community group here at Akuo and being a part of like a greater community that will walk with you through your life could be one of the best things that you do while you're here at Akuo. Now, the other thing I want to mention is the way that we are generous here at Akuo. We just want you to lean into that nature of Jesus, the second nature of Jesus in being generous. And I want you to know that at Akuo, as an individual, me, as a team, as an organization, we practice that. So if you do give here to Akuo, first off, I wanna thank you. I appreciate you in partnering in what it is that God's doing here in our community. But I want you to know that you aren't giving to Akuo, but you're giving to your community through Akuo. We're the ones that goes and, and makes the connections and, and uh, the folks that, that need help, we're able to connect with, to, with them in so many different ways. When an organization is going through a thing, we're able to connect to them. You don't have to go and, and track down the next organization uh, to figure out how you can give to them. You just are able to be generous with us and then we go and turn around and hand it off to somebody else. So one of the ways that you can get started with your generosity here at Akuo is through the biblical method of generosity called tithing, which means giving a first fruit 10% offering to the storehouse, which is your local church. Now, the celebration of giving, though, might not be a possibility for you right now. Things might be really tough for you and your family, and if that's you, that's okay. If things are tough for you right now, please allow us to help you out right now because we want to be linked to you during your tough time. So if you need anything at all, please reach out to us. Or if you know someone that needs help, let us know. To do that, all you have to do is go to our website, akuo.church, and click on the Contact Us link. You can also send an email to us at help at akuo.church, or you can call or text the church at 210-901-8785. Now, if you are willing to give here at Akuo Church, the way you can do that is by going to our website, akuo.church. And when you get there, all you have to do is click on the giving link and follow the instructions. We also have our text to give option, 
For that, all you have to do is text AKUO, A-K-O-U-O, and the dollar amount you want to give to the number 77977. Now, if you don't want to give electronically, we also have our P.O. Box available if you would like to send your gift through a check. For that, all you have to do is mail it to AKUO at P.O. Box 100-125, San Antonio, Texas, 78201. All right, y'all, that's all that I have for you today. I just want you to know that I love and appreciate all of you. And our Akuo team will be praying for you now, and we will continue to pray for you throughout the week. Now, before we go, let me just pray over you one last time. Jesus, I thank you for today. I thank you for the way that you have been uh, speaking to us. I pray that you would continue to speak to us as we leave here. And I pray for everybody that can hear my voice, that they would step into the scary things. I pray that you would lead them in the direction where they will be successful, even though it's scary. I pray that you will comfort them during those storms, Lord. And I pray that you will just be incredibly visible in every single step. Jesus, we love you. And we pray all these things in your holy, mighty, and wonderful name. Amen. All right, that's all that we have for you this week. We'll see you next time. Thanks for spending time with us today. You can find this message and any recent sermon available on demand at our website, akuo.church. That's A-K-O-U-O dot church. Also, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by searching Akuo Church. Welcome to the community. We hope to hear from you soon.